0: Hey, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Clint. I am one of the interns here at Beach Church, and today you get to listen to my beautiful voice. Um, If you weren't with with us last week, uh, we kicked off our series called Reckless Love, and uh, Ryan uh, spoke to us, and he he spoke to us about uh, how can love be reckless, and and how can God uh, show us reckless love. And he, he gave us this definition for reckless love, which says, uh, doing something to benefit someone else, even though it requires sacrifice and will have uh, consequences for you. And so it was this concept of how can we take love, which is something that is uh, has a good connotation, like it's beneficial, but also something uh, reckless that is that has a bad connotation. How can we combine those two things and it be something that is good? And so it's uh, it, it's making a sacrifice, not caring about. What might happen to you to benefit other people? And so uh, that's what the, the central theme of, of the gospel is about, is, is, is God making a sacrifice and sending uh, his son to, to die on a cross to die, to die for us so that we can have uh, eternal life. And so he's benefiting us, and he's not caring about the sacrifice that, that he has to make. And it's through that that we are shown uh, the reckless love of God. Uh, but the gospel... Is also about how uh, God pursues us in everyday life. And so that's what we're going to be talking about uh, today is that God is seeking us out um, and, he, and He's there at, at every turn of our lives. Like no matter what we're doing, He is either there uh, pursuing us or He's there waiting for us to just turn and, and, and look to Him in our situation. And so uh, that's what we're talking about today. And, and <clears throat> here's the thing about love is that in order for us to feel or to know, that we are being loved, is that there has to be some sort of uh, proof of that love, right? And so uh, the proof is in the pursuit. Like, the proof of God's love is in how he pursues us. And so uh, the truth of the matter is that he has been pursuing us since the beginning of time, since the creation of humanity, he has been uh, chasing after us. And so uh, really the pinnacle of God pursuing us was Jesus dying on the cross, but beyond that he is still... Uh, pursuing us today in different ways, right? So take this, for example. Uh, Take a a healthy marriage. A healthy marriage is made up of a a man and a wife who are consistently pursuing each other and showing each other that they love one another. But when you take, like, an unhealthy marriage, uh, maybe the man and wife get married, and eventually things start to slow down. They're out of the honeymoon phase, and they're like, ah, we're we're good. We don't need, like... The man's like out. He's like, I don't need to buy her flowers. She's good. She knows I love her or whatever. And the wife is, you know, she's like, I wear sweatpants and dry, dry shampoo. I don't need a shower. It's okay. <laughs> and, you know, maybe the husband is just like sitting on the couch playing Fortnite eating Cheetos all the time. And, you know, 30 pounds later and a couple years down the road, uh, there is a lack of pursuit. And neither one of them are, are pursuing each other and showing each other that they love each other. And eventually that marriage uh, gets rocky and might even end up in a divorce, right? And so healthy marriage is made up of a man who is uh, relentlessly pursuing his wife. They get, they're, they're dating each other constantly and they're, uh, they're buying each other stuff and they're showing each other love because the proof is in the pursuit, right? Um, take, take this for example as well. Uh, so many of you know that I recently, kind of recently got engaged a few months ago And uh, I'll never never get tired of that. Um, But she she was here this past week, and so maybe some of you met her. But when you get engaged, oftentimes you ask the question, like, when did you know? Like, when did you know that that you loved her? When did you know that, like, she was uh, the one you're going to marry? And so uh, if I'm being honest, I I probably came to that realization very early on in our relationship. So uh, in August of 2017, uh, I had a surgery on my shoulder, and so uh, when, when I had that surgery, what they do is they put in, like, a nerve, what's called a nerve block, so they insert this really long needle, and it's scary, into, like, your neck, and uh, they basically, like, leave a tube in there for three days, and it slowly releases some, like, numbing medication, and so for three days, I'm, like, completely out of it, like, my face is drooping, I have no feeling in my arm or anything, and so I can't, I can't do anything, and uh, we're about a month into our relationship at the time, and we're actually doing a long-distance thing. And so, uh, she decides to surprise me. And so, she drives like four hours. She wakes up at like 5 a.m., drives down to my house. Uh, she was like messaging my mom the whole time. Uh, shows up, surprises me. I'm like, can't even brush my teeth because I'm right-handed. I'm like, how do you can? Have you ever tried to brush your teeth with your non-dominant hand? It's incredibly hard. But anyway, uh, she she decides to, to show up at my house and, and decides that she's going to show me that she loves me through uh, pursuing me, and she's, like, taking me out to breakfast and stuff like that because I haven't been out of the house in four days, and she's, like, taking me to my friends and everything like that. And it was, it was in that moment that I realized, like, the character that she possessed. And it was in that moment that I realized, like, this is, this is a woman that... Uh, She's a woman. She's not, she's not a girl. Like, she is a woman that is uh, willing to make sacrifices and willing uh, to pursue me. And so it was, it was very early on in our relationship that I came to that realization, and that's what caused me to, to really fall in love with her. Right? Uh, we have a, another illustration for you. Uh, so this one is going to involve some of your participation. And so uh, before we started this service, I uh, did something to alter the room slightly. And so, um, but, but he, think about this before we do this. Uh, the value, of, wait, well, I, need, I need to read what I wrote. The, something, the some, something of value is worth pursuing, right? Something of value is worth pursuing. And so, um, this, is, this might benefit one or two of you, uh, but there is um, a gift card taped to underneath one of your chairs, first person, it gets it. Oh, we have a winner. So, it is a gift card to Wits. That is yours. You can take yourself out, maybe your friend. Go get ice cream. Um, But but something of value is worth pursuing, right? Like, if I just told you, if I just told you, like, there was a penny or a piece of paper taped underneath your chair, you'd be like... (laughs) I don't need that. Like, that's not worth pursuing. It's not worth looking for. But because it was something that benefits you and can bring positivity to your life, you pursued it. You looked for it. You chose to find it. Right? Um, or, or, Or think about the movie, like National Treasure, which I don't know if any of you guys are old enough to have seen that. But like, Nicolas Cage spends his whole life finding clues to find like this hidden treasure somewhere. And he takes all of these risks. He is reckless in the way that, that he's pursuing uh, these clues and this treasure. But, it, but it's worth something. It, it's the, the treasure is worth something, which is why he is choosing to pursue it. Right? And that's the same thing that God thinks of us. He is pursuing us because he sees that we are worth value, that we have value in our lives. Uh, Luke 15, uh, verses 1 to 7 Jesus gives us a story, and this is what it says. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons, righteous persons who do not need to repent. Right? And so we sing this song all the time. We just sing it called Reckless Love. And in there is a verse that is directly related to this passage of, like, he leaves the 99 to go after the one. And it's a love that we can't earn. It's a love that we, we don't deserve. And if we think about like, what Jesus is saying, like it really doesn't make sense. Like, why would you leave 99 sheep in the open country just to go after one? But it's, it's taking a risk because what if something happens to the 99? Like, what if one of those sheep gets lost or whatever? But, but what Jesus is saying is that you're worth taking a risk. Like, the one sheep has value, therefore, it's worth the risk that I'm going to take to find it. And in that song, it talks about like, there's, there's no mountain, like, he won't climb up to, to find us. There's nothing he won't do to pursue us, right? Um, and, and it shows us a kind of love that, that we cannot earn and a kind of love that we uh, certainly don't deserve. Um, it's, and so, uh, many of you probably seen the movie Taken, with Liam Neeson. Like they have like three of them out now, and they probably should have stopped after the first one because you start thinking maybe he's just a bad husband and father. But um, but after the first uh, the the first one is about like his, he's trying to reconcile this relationship with his daughter, and he wants his daughter to love him again and to like him, and they want to spend time with each other. And so his daughter wants to go to like Paris. And so Liam Neeson's like, all right, fine. I don't, I don't really want you to go, but I'll let you just so that um, you can, just so that we can have a relationship again. So he lets his daughter go to Paris, and she ends up being abducted by, uh, <clears throat> by some very bad people. And so he has to go on this mission and, and find these people because she is about to be sold into uh, sex slavery, right? And so he has like four days before she's auctioned off, and, and he does everything in his power to go and find her. He, he takes a risk, he, he shows how reckless his love is for her by pursuing her and, and he starts just going on this rampage and killing everyone. Um, but he, he shows his love for his daughter by pursuing her and, and chasing her down because he loves her so much because he knows that like, he can't live without her. Like He wouldn't be able to live with himself if he lets his daughter go. Uh, Romans 5, uh, 6 through 11, Ryan read this last week, but we're going to read it again because it is uh, really the essential theme to, to what we're talking about. So Romans 5, verses 6 through 11, Paul says this, he says, you see, at the, just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, <clears throat> though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, have we, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only this. Not only is this is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And so it's easy for us to, to read this in our, in our 21st century world, and but, but think about this. Like, the Son of God actually died. Like, there was, for three days, like, there was no breath in his lungs, there was no heartbeat. Like, he was literally dead. And, and for three days, it, it looked like a hopeless situation, but, it, but he comes back, and he shows us that that death will not have a hold on us anymore. And it's through this that he displayed uh, true love. Because knowing that, that we in the 21st century would continue over and over again, fall and fail and sin and reject him and run from him, he still chose to die. He still chose to go through the process of crucifixion, which is a very excruciating, painful process but he still chose to do it knowing that we would still run from him. And that's what reckless love is. That's how he has pursued us. You see, uh, the value of a product is often determined by the price that someone is willing to pay for it. I'll say that again. The value of a product is often determined by the price that someone is willing to pay for it. And so heaven went bankrupt so that you could have life. Like how, that, so that you could have life abundantly, so that you could have eternal life, so that you can have uh, peace in your life. And so uh, God's love is on a totally different category than we could ever, ever comprehend. Like all these examples I give are just very minute compared to what God actually offers us. Um, you see, God's love isn't fair, but it's just. Like if, it was, if God's love was fair, then it would be us on the cross, but he, since he's just, he's able to, uh, take, to to make a sacrifice so that our place is taken. Um, and, and maybe you're in here and you're like, like, you don't know what I've done this past week. You don't know what I've been through in my life. You don't know the people I've hurt. You don't know what I've done just, this past, just yesterday, just last night. You don't know what I'm, what I'm involved in. You don't know like, the, the people I hang out with at school. You don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. But, but if, if that's you, that's, if that's what you're thinking, then you've missed the point. Because it's not this, this concept of, like, the do's and the don'ts. Like, God just sees value in you, and he, sh- and he loves you, no matter, like, who you are. And so, uh, if that's you, like, you're not too far gone. Like, that is a, a lie that, that Satan wants you to, to fear. He wants you to think that you, aren't too, that you are too far gone. But the truth of the matter is that you aren't. Uh, In Luke 19, just a few chapters after Jesus gives this parable of the lost sheep, he uh, is traveling through Jericho. And in Luke 19, there's this man named Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus really wants to see Jesus. And so uh, Zacchaeus is there, and he runs ahead of Jesus, and and he climbs up in this tree because he's a short dude, and he really wants to see Jesus. And so he climbs up in this tree, and and Jesus is walking along the road, and, and he stops at the tree. And he looks directly up at at Zacchaeus, and he's like, Zacchaeus, I'm eating at your house tonight. Like, I want to go to your home. But here's the thing about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a, a, a chief tax collector at the time. And what that meant was that he was known as a sinner. He was known to cheat people out of their money. Like, people knew him as a sinner. And so, like, Zacchaeus is leaving with Jesus because Zacchaeus is like, yeah, like, let's go eat at my house. And people are like, who is this man that, that he eats with sinners? And so the point, is not are, are the, the, the point is not the do's and the don'ts or what can I do for Jesus. It's about what Jesus has already done for you. And Jesus is pursuing you just like he pursued uh, Zacchaeus. And, and he wants to eat at your house. Like, Zacchaeus had a choice. He could either uh, reject Jesus and say, now like, I just wanted to see you. I just wanted to like, see what you're about, but I'm not interested in, in what you're offering me. Or you can be like, yeah, like Jesus, come into my house, come into my heart. Like, I want to experience what you have to offer. And, and, and in that chapter, Luke, Luke 19, it says that salvation came to Zacchaeus' uh, Zacchaeus's house. Salvation came to his house because he chose to let Jesus in. He chose to, to accept Jesus' offer uh, of eating at his house. And so Zacchaeus left a changed man and ended up giving some of his wealth to the poor. And so when you encounter the love of God, when you realize that he's pursuing you, it changes who you are and it transforms you. And so uh, here's how we're going to end this thing is we're going to uh, play a video for you guys. as uh, a testimony from one of our students and we encourage you to pay attention and I'll be right back.
1: I'm Elijah Reeves and I'm a senior at Fletcher High. I came from a close-knit family that lived in Costa Rica. It created a special bond between us all. We were all that we had. And one unforgettable day, it seemed to have been taken away in one phone call. My dad had died from a massive heart attack. That day it seemed life lost a lot of color. It was hard for me to get out of bed some days, to be honest, and I just was so unmotivated that I was, I was just keeping my neck above the water. I was scared and I couldn't understand how God let this happen to me. I felt like he turned his back on our relationship and that's where I grew distant. I felt really dark and I was going to places that I never thought I would go. The effects damaged my mind, body, and soul. I was very angry. Feeling lost in the dark, a special somebody came back into my life with a light that I hadn't seen in a long time. It wasn't until really I had this influential you know, person come back into my life and really start shining, and I wanted some of that in back into my life because I was feeling so dark. I saw so much in the light that I wanted I wanted happiness, compassion, and fulfillment. She brought me to this uh, sermon that really spoke to me. and it, it kind of gave me a more grounded outlook on who I was surrounding myself with, and you know what places I was going to, and where God was chasing me. And it was like finding the light at the end of the tunnel when you know God was getting reintroduced into my life, and I just followed it. And at first, you know, I wasn't really in sync with it. I was just doing my motions. But after a while, and after Epworth, I really came to and came to find the love for God that I had had before, even through the hurt that I had felt. I realized God had already fixed it. He had been chasing me the whole time. I just needed to let him in. Soon, I was surrounded by better influences and creating a more positive environment, doing healthier activities with better friends. I saw God chasing me through people, I saw Him chasing me through signs. Another thing was life groups, getting introduced into that uh, really helped me uh, talk about my problems and really have a connection with those around me that are my age to be able to lean on and know what they're going through and, and there's no judgment. Everybody can speak their mind and ask for the grace of God. I couldn't have done it without them. God is always there. God God is by your side. Whether you sin, whether you feel as if you're too far to be dragged back into the house of God, um, He's there to love you and to shed His grace and His forgiveness. And just know as a child of God that you're welcome and that He will accept you with open arms either way.
0: So, again, the, the proof of God's love and his, is in uh, his pursuit of us. And, and just like that story, like God loves us so much that he's willing to continue to go after us, no matter what we've done or what we've been through. Uh, in Genesis 3, I mean, you guys might know the story of Adam and Eve and how uh, sin entered the world. And it was that that first initial sin that broke separation between, or broke, broke off a relationship between God and his creation, it was the first time that there was separation between God and man. And so uh, what happens next is, is Adam and Eve, uh, they, they feel ashamed of what they've done, and so they hide themselves. Uh, but then it says that they, they heard God walking through the garden, and they heard God asking, Adam, where are you? And, and when I first read this, I was, I was just really confused, because I was like, why is God asking where adam is like he's god he knows everything but but god wasn't asking for adam's physical location god was asking adam where is he in relation to him like where where is your heart at and, and i would probably say that god's probably asking you that same question of of where are you like where are you in relation to god where are you in that relationship where is your heart at because God wasn't worried, so worried about the, the things that, that went wrong and the things that we do or don't do right. He's worried about restoring a relationship and restoring fellowship with his creation. Because he desires a relationship with us. That's why he is pursuing us. Right, and so uh, maybe for the first time you're hearing this and and you're ready to, to finally let Jesus in. You're ready to like let him in like, like Zacchaeus did. You're ready to open the door to uh, your house and to your heart and, and accept this love that God is offering you. And what that looks like is, is you just being in relationship with him. Like, think about a relationship with your, your best friend. Like, there is a give and a take. Like, there is, like, giving and receiving in that relationship. You, you see how they're doing. You check up on them. Like, they check up on you. Maybe that's what your relationship with God should look like. Like you coming to the altar and just pouring your heart out to God. And in that you will experience peace and you'll experience God's love for you. It's a relationship. And so maybe for the first time you're ready uh, to do that. Or or maybe you've been kind of running from God for a while and you're ready to stop and, and let that love catch up to you. Maybe tonight's that night that that happens. And so if I could have everyone just close your eyes and bow your heads. And if that's, if that's you tonight, if that's the, the, if for the first time or for uh, maybe you're, you're ready to recommit your life to Christ, if you want to let Jesus in, then I'm going to count to three. And after we count to three, I want you to raise your hands. And that's just a, a moment so you can know when it was, when it was that, that you stopped running from God. And you let that love catch up to you and you let God into your heart. And so one, God is for you. Two, God loves you unconditionally, and there's nothing you can do uh, to to separate that love or to stop him from pursuing you. Three, lift up your hands if that's you. Awesome. If that's you, uh, continue to uh, keep your eyes closed and heads bowed. If that's you, uh, repeat this prayer after me uh, in your heart. It doesn't have to be out loud. God, uh, I recognize that, that I've been running from you. I recognize that, that I'm a sinner and I've rejected uh, your love. And God, for, I want to I open the door of my heart. And I want to let you in. I want you uh, to transform me from the inside out. And I want to start up a relationship with you. And I, I pray that, that you would uh, kind of just guide me through what that looks like so, God, we thank you for uh, your amazing love. We thank you for your son on the cross. We thank you for pursuing us and never giving up on us. We pray that as we uh, leave uh, this room tonight that you would allow us to share that love with other people. Amen.